Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Uh, this chapter we've been in uh, going through 2nd Thessalonians on Sunday mornings so if you're there let's stand together and we'll read us this text today now being Christmas sweater sweater Sunday I figured I'm going to be done in about 10 minutes because I'm boiling up here there's nobody in San Diego that would ever wear something this thick that's why they shipped it north so anyway uh, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians in his second letter Chapter 1, verse 11, he writes, Therefore we also, uh, we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, here we are, and we find ourselves setting before you, standing before you. Uh, We'll sit and hear your word. We pray that you administer to our hearts. Lord, the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, may it meet us here, not only us, but our children as well. And may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, Paul... um, he was, uh, he's been encouraging this church, and you think of the church that's been going through difficult times. They've been going through the persecution of life, you know. And uh, he's been encouraging, he's been encouraged by them, but he's also been encouraging them. And he's encouraged by them because of their growth. They're going through times of great difficulties, but yet there's growth. And it's, it's awesome to see people growing through times of difficulties. If you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say, don't just go through the things you go through, but grow through them. We want to grow through these things in life that the challenges. And this young church, in the midst of all their persecution, is actually growing in their faith and in their growing in the things of the Lord. And so not only could Paul boast about their church, you know, saying and boasting in a sense of, wow, it's just so cool to see what God is doing in your life, but he can also look at them and say that he encouraged them and continue to encourage them to continue to grow because the devil's always wanting them to think that difficult times that they're going through are times to where uh, they've been saying that they've been going through the tribulation or that God really doesn't like you. He, he's got a problem. You got sin in your life. You got this, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's something going on. And you know that he'll he'll tell you things that aren't scriptural, like God has left you. He's he doesn't he doesn't care to be around you. And uh, you know, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what we know for sure. But these are the things that Satan wants us to believe, and especially during times of difficulties when uh, they come our way, he wants us to believe the opposite of what God's word says. And so we come through these times, as this church would even, through times of persecution, and Paul writes to them, and he writes to us too, because it should be very much uh, fitting for our lives today, that, and he writes this, he says that it is a token of his approval, the Lord's approval, that we may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God as we go through these things. 
You know, they're, they're, they're trusting in the Lord. They're trusting that his hand is upon them. They're trusting that, you know, they're, he'll deliver them through each and every trial that they go through. And they're trusting him in, in that. Everything that they're facing, they're just going to trust the Lord. And their faith in that is growing. You know, there's been people that have said, uh, you know what, my faith isn't that strong. Are you trusting him? Are you trusting him? Are you putting your, is your feet actually to your, to your walk with Christ? Are you walking things out or do you turn it every time there's trouble and depart or leave or whatever the case may be? You see, they're trusting that God is going to be faithful through everything they're going through and they're holding on to the Lord and, and they're encouraging not only Paul, but they're encouraging his companions just as they're, they're encouraging to you and I today. I love being around people that are going through trials. Not because I'm not going through them, but I like to see people growing through trials. It's so bolstering to my faith. I look at them and I and they're grow, they're growing through, and I say, "Wow, that's just incredible!" And it encourages me. And I hope that when I go through trials, it encourages others as well. So Paul comes to this place, and he, he's telling them, like we've been seeing, that pretty much that suffering, times of suffering, is part of the Christian DNA. We're going to go through times like this, right? It's just that the world hates you. You know, you sign up for Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not walking with him, you're not a born-again Christian, you don't have heaven uh, this morning, you come to him. And you're, you'll find out, yes, your sins will be forgiven. Yes, you have heaven, you know, but, but there's going to be an opposition that will be relentless until the day you go home to be with the Lord. That's all right. Paul says here in verse 11, he says, therefore... And this therefore, he's reminding them of what he's just been said. They've been enduring troubles. Therefore, and in verse 6 of chapter 1, he said, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation, those who trouble you. So what he was just telling them, therefore, is you're going to go through difficult times, but don't worry about it. Let God handle it. And them. The opposition, those throwing the stones. Let God handle it. He's good at that. You and I aren't. And you and I, just like the Thessalonians, we're just to be faithful in the things that God has called us to. We're to be faithful no matter the degree of trials that we go through, the degree of opposition that comes our way. We're just to be faithful, clinging on to the Lord, walking through that straight and narrow path. And we've seen, even on Wednesday nights, if you've been joining us through the life of Jeremiah, we saw last week that, you know, on Wednesday nights we saw that faithfulness is necessary even in times when the opposition increases. It becomes more difficult. And remember, Jeremiah went to the Lord and he said, you know, hey, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said, you know, it's getting tough around here. And the Lord just uh, kind of looked at him and said, yep, well, it's gonna, heat's going to be turned up. It's going to get a little tougher. But don't worry about it. Because I will never send you where the grace of God won't be. I'll, I'll meet you there. You know, and so he says in verse 11 again, therefore we also pray. So what Paul is doing here, excuse me, in the middle of his writing to the church, and he does this four times in this letter, he prays for the church. Oh, how we need prayer, right? I mean, and not only to be in prayer, but we need prayer. I mean, I need prayer. And I'm so thankful when I hear people saying, I'm praying for you. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But Paul stops and he prays, and this is what the church is needing. Now listen, they're going and they're facing persecution, but it was a testimony of their faith because they weren't letting the troubles in their lives get in the way of them growing in the Lord. But it doesn't mean that they've arrived at this position that they don't need prayer. 
Each of us need prayer. And Paul says here, as he's praying for them, he's not going to pray for them to get out of the trials. How many of you want to get out of your trial, right? He's not asking, he's not saying, and Lord, deliver them from their trial. He's not saying, Lord, make it a little easy on them, turn down the heat. He's not saying anything like that. He's actually, what he's doing is he's going to have to say, Lord, continue to grow them through their trial. That's something that I think is we need to learn as Christians to really grow through what we go through, to really walk with God through the, from the beginning of the end of it. I, you know, I'm not one that's big on tests. I don't like tests. You know, you put a test in front of me. You, how many of you do this? You go to the DMV, get your driver's license, and you're already studying that chart because you can't see it. I don't like tests, right? <laughs> and you, you're looking at things, you're going, man, I, I don't know how this is going to pan out. So I would rather pass the test the first time. So when I see it again and recognize it again a second time, I say, oh, this is a test. I get this. I've been there, done that. But so Paul isn't praying that the persecution would go away or that life would get easier. He doesn't pray that they'll be delivered from harm's time. He's praying for them to continue to grow. Continue to grow. It's so important. These guys were, they were in need. And not just because they were growing. And again, because they're growing doesn't mean that they don't need prayer. We all need prayer at all times. And again, this follows Paul just telling them, don't worry about the opposition that's come your way. Don't worry about those who are troubling you. Just remember this, because he's also told them, God will handle this. But be ready, because the Lord is going to return very soon. And then he also would mention to them that he wanted to, in the midst of everything that they're facing, that God would count them worthy of his calling. Look at verse 11 again as we look at the four things that Paul prayed for. He says, therefore, we also pray always for you that our God, that our God would count you worthy. That means deemed fit of this calling. Some of your Bibles say his calling. Some of your Bibles says your calling. It's all his calling to be your calling. So there, there's a testing that goes on in our lives, isn't there? Whether it's from the inside of the church or the outside of the church, it doesn't matter which playground Satan will meet us at. He sent people to church before anybody witnessed that. The, the, the devil has had people inside the church before, and they've you know, come against the work of God, and, and he stirred up things. But, but it doesn't matter whether it's inside the church or outside the church, at home, at the workplace, at the shopping, it doesn't matter. See, it's much like the testing of silver or gold. There's a testing there, and it's tested by fire to validate the purity and the value of the metals. And that's what the fires do in our lives as well, right? They, they'll, they'll bring about the same purifying work. But sadly, at a lot of times when the, the first sign of heat, when it goes up and the trials start, people will check out. Well, we got to find, you know, that the grass is greener somewhere else, or, you know, they'll run. But in reality, it's these times of testings that really prove to us within our hearts and they allow us to see who we're really trusting or where our heart is really anchored, where our faith really is. And so the times of trouble do more for us than just, you know, getting us in shape for run, running from them. We, we need to walk through them. And again, you know, our, our text here, it isn't saying that, uh, you know, when we die, we're going to get this chart and see how many trials that we've made it through and we've done good through them, that we might be worthy to be saved. That doesn't say it. That's not what this is saying. Uh, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? We're saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he gave us eternal life. He gave, gave us the opportunity to come to know him and that and that alone. 
Well, just as Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in the fourth chapter, verse one, he said this, he said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. So there's, again, this, this beseeching or this begging or this deep encouragement from Paul. He says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. The question is, are you fulfilling that? Am I fulfilling that? There's, there's this worthiness that we should be walking now that we're saved. There's this whole new lifestyle. There's this whole new, you know, you know, we got this group of people, this new family, this new, these new things that, that we belong to and that we live for. And so we're to walk worthy of this calling that he's called us to or his calling that he's called us to. And it has everything to do with, listen, the moment you meet him to the moment you meet him face to face, the moment you come and you give your life to him, the moment you surrender your life, that work begins. And, and from the moment we go to be to heaven with him, that work will continue. See, living out our past from the moment, uh, or excuse me, living our lives out in the, the, from the moment we come to meet him, that's justification. You know, our, our slate is wiped clean just as if we'd never sinned. From, from all the way through the process of sanctification, there's this thing that goes on and, and, and God is just, you know, changing our lives. And we're finding it worthy, the things that he wants to do in us, the trials that we go through, the hard times, the difficult times that we go through. It's all right that we go through them because we're going through them with him in our lives. And so I know there are times that we would like the Lord to deal with that opposition, right? Somebody that just hasn't treated us well, they're throwing these darts. But uh, we want, we want, you know, Lord, why don't you just deal with these people? He will. But while we're here on earth, the opposition has always been and always will be against the church. That's just the way it's going to be. And we're still to walk worthy, no matter what, what the opposition is. And I think in the day and age in which we live, there's that greater time, no greater time than to define what the church is standing up for. To define what the gospel really means. And to define where I stand, where you stand as individuals, uh, as all the persecution may point to, uh, you know, the church and how the church will go through times of suffering. Look, it happened here, and it's happening throughout other parts of the world. We don't see times of suffering. We see times of suffering when the air conditioning doesn't work right or the heater doesn't work right. It's hot in here. It's cold in here. And I, I know what you mean today, but there's times of suffering. It's not, these aren't times of suffering. These are times where, you know, they don't, your family doesn't want to invite you over because you're a Christian. Maybe some of you are facing that. But you're still going to stand up and say, I got a family. Look at my family. Look at my brothers and sisters. I mean, it's hard, right? But it's true because we're going to face opposition. So, you know, there are times when we'll, we'll go through opposition, and it's gonna it's gonna happen here on earth. It's gonna happen as we continue to walk with the Lord. But does that mean that we're we have this perfect walk? No. But it means that there's this lifelong process that God is working things out in our lives. Let me say this just to be clear. As Christians, again, I want to make it clear that we don't live worthy in order to obtain salvation. That's not what he's saying here. That would be foolish because none of us would hit the mark. But because we've been saved, because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, we've been made new. Because our orders have been transferred. Because now we have life in Christ. Because of these things, for the, that purpose alone, Jesus Christ has died, paid the penalty for our sins. For that 
purpose alone, that we have salvation, we're to walk worthy of what he's given to us. It's like, you know, you, we're going to walk in this manner now. And so it's, it is God who qualifies us for heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. So we are to live in thankfulness or being thankful for the things that God has done for us. And how is it that we show our attitude or our gratitude, I should say? How is it that we express our thanksgiving to him? Well, by the way, we live our lives. We can come in here and sing songs all day long and we can, you know, have, you know, the newest CD or whatever you guys, Spotify, whatever you listen. We can have that. We don't have him in our hearts. We don't have the worship in our hearts. So he's saying that to walk worthy of this calling. I pray that you guys, well, you're going through trials, he says, but I pray that you would walk worthy of his calling. And because he saved us, and because we're continuing, that he's continuing that work in us, um, we're to live worthy of that calling when we, and look at the second thing, he says, fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness. Listen, the moment that we came to faith in Christ, the moment that we received salvation, that's when the work began. I mean, that right? I mean, even though there are times of difficulty, he's still working things out in our lives. You ever notice that? I mean, things in my life, I'm thinking, you know, I just celebrated 30 years walking with the Lord. And I think, you know, Lord, I thought I'd be a lot further along than I am now. He's still working on me. There's still things in my life that he wants, and he's still working things out in our lives. You know, that we, we brought these things into our relationship with him, and that he sees them that they're not deemed worthy to carry on with us anymore. They're of no value. And there are things I remember when I came to Christ and I dropped at the altar. I remember the things of the drugs and the alcohol. I remember the things of just my, so many things I dropped off at the altar when I met Christ and he freed me up. And I'm just driving home with my brother uh, from Anaheim Convention Center down to San Diego, rejoicing. God, you saved me. So wonderful. I'm not, there's no drugs, no, no nothing. I don't want anything but you, Jesus. And I'm just going at it. And it's truly in my heart, right? But then as time went on, as time went on, that I, there were more things that he wanted to deal with me. And there still has been from that day forward. You know, you, you go through Monday and Tuesday, and then people start, they're not listening to you so much. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, okay, now what? And then you find out that, oh, Lord, man, I got an attitude towards that guy, he, you know, or that gal, or whatever the case may be. And God wants to work those things out in our lives. Listen, there are times when God uses these trials and troubles to work out some of the things in our lives. He wants us to stop for a minute, look and see what's going on. He's not done with us. And there are times when our faith has been tried not to prove how much God loves us or, or not to prove how much we love him. You ever notice that? I mean, God knows how much we love him, right? But uh, there are times when we go through trials, I think that they show us how much I'm really loving him. How much I'm trusting him. How much, you know, I'm still going to worship him. You see, it's often through the trials and the other times of difficulties that we find out that the Lord, we know that he loves us. And, and we find out so much more that, man, he's walked me through everything. And he's never left me or forsake me as the enemy wants to, to, you know, try and get me to believe. And how much he's at work in our lives. If we pause for a minute... We can see the good work that trials have brought in our lives. I think every one of us can see that. I like what Warren Worsby says. He says this, trials do not make a person that reveal, excuse me, trials do not make a person, they reveal what a person is made of. When our faith is tried, we are revealing our worth. So true, right? See, it's. It, it, I'm sure that it's true 
For you it is for me that every one of us wants to the Lord to fulfill what he wants in our lives. I think you're, you're there. I think I'm there. I don't want to stop short on what God has planned for me. And I don't mean the ministry. I mean my heart. I mean the, only, the thing that, that I have towards the Lord. I want him to fulfill all the good pleasure that he has for his goodness. I want him to do a work in my life. I want him to continue that work in my life. And, and, and in your life, I'm sure it's the same way. And, and you know what? We come and we invite him into our lives and he comes in and he takes up residency and we have the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden he kind of looks through it and he might say something like, hey, can we deal with something in here? I don't like the way this is decorated. I don't like the way your heart is decorated. Your life is decorated. You got some clutter in your life that we just want to deal with. You ever notice that? And the Lord wants to deal with these things, and then we're to say, okay, let's, Lord, go for it. But listen, this is what the world is doing. When, when, they look, when the world looks at you and I, here we come, we profess Christ, right? And we're Christians, born again. And they're looking for answers. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a way to get out. They might be smiling on the outside, but so much of their heart is hurting. And they're judging Christ through you and I. They're judging the Bible, whether whether it's legitimate. By the way, you and I are going to live our lives. And that, that we, we testify. But they're judging Jesus Christ through us. And so they're in need of change. They know it. They're in need to see. They're looking for answers for life. There's some of them. Some of them think they have all the answers. But you know what? There's these things that they're changed. Uh, you know, they need change and they're, they're, they're judging the Bible by what they see. They've never read the Bible. They may have heard something and so they pick up on it. And especially if it's against the Bible, they've never read the Bible. So what they're doing is they look at the lives of Christians and they're saying, how true can the Bible be if they're hearing about, you know, more about our marital problems at our workplace than they are about how Jesus Christ healed our marital problems? Or, you know, our neighbors, when they hear us arguing from the, the house or the bedroom or whatever it might be, and our neighbors are saying, and then go to church. You see, there's these things that, that we want God to fulfill all of his good pleasure. When we come to that point of realizing, hey, you know what, I need this thing out of my life. This thing is of no value. And then God, you know, he says, I, I just want to work in that. Is that all right? So that's what Paul's praying for. Troubles might come, they will, and they'll come and go. But there, we're in need of this change to happen, these things to take place on a daily basis. Look at, but by not allowing the Holy Spirit to have the freedom in our lives as he desires to change us, then we have to ask ourselves, like, what message are we preaching to a lost world? What message are we preaching to a community that needs Jesus? What are they seeing through us? Again, you know, they're not going to step foot in the church. They may come on, you know, call them the CEO club, the Christian and Easter only. But they'll come, you know, twice a year. But they see the same thing, hearing the same. And yes, God can get a hold of them. But you and I, we're the, we're the message that they're, they're, they're reading 365 days a week. We're the message that they're listening to. And so what message is it that we're, we're preaching out there through the way we're living our lives. Are we allowing him to have the fullness of all his good pleasure? Lord, whatever you want. And what do our children see in that? You know, what do our children see when when uh, we are going through hard times? Do you see mommy and daddy getting on their knees praying? Or do they see us just arguing, arguing, and they're not talking to each other? Mommy, why are you not talking to daddy? He's a jerk. Mommy, daddy, daddy, why are you arguing with mommy? Because she won't listen. She's stubborn. 
Those are comments you often hear in the house. And God's saying, you know, I, I want to change all that. You know, I, I, I just have a plan that is far greater than the plan that you're looking at the Christian life through. And so you think about, you know, the message that we're preaching to our children. You think about what they're seeing. Literally, whether it's, you know, our, our spending habits or whether it's our faithfulness or whatever it might be. Are we going back to the old ways that, you know, things used to be? What, what message are they hearing? They need to also see the gospel being lived out. They need to see the word of God and the power that it has. There's nothing wrong with God's word. The problem is hard to, is finding that fertile ground to fall into. And, and again, fulfilling all of what God wants for us. And then listen to this, because Paul says this, he says, that this change can come by his power, your faith in his power. He says, therefore, we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill, this is what God wants to do, all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. This is the how to the what. You see, how is all this going to be accomplished? How is he going to change all these things that I've carried around, these bad habits? How is he going to change it? By you trusting in him and by his power. You and I having faith. By you and I just understanding, I don't know how God's going to do this, but I'm going to trust in him that he's going to do it and that he's going to give me the power to do it. He never expected us to live our lives in our own power. You ever notice that? Why would we want to live our Christian lives, especially Christian lives, in our own power? I'll never forget giving, you know, I, I was sharing with somebody this week about, you know, giving my life to the Lord. I said, well, it was a mess. And I, I you know, what are you going to do with this life? And I said, but you know what? You can have it. If you'll take it, I'm surprised. But if you take it, you just do what you want to do with it. I just trusting him, trusting in the Lord. And, you know, through the time it's gone on, through the, the moment I met him, it was like incredible. Wow, you love me that much? You care for me? Wow, and then watch the things unfold. It's incredible, but it's done by his power. I told you that the, the months that would go by and I would look at myself in the mirror, looking at how are you going to get off this stuff? How are you going to change? Well, it's by his power. That's how it happens. How are you going to change? How, you get, how is this going to change your life? How do I get rid of that, the anger problem that I had after coming to know Christ? How am I going to do that? Well, I'll get into his word and understanding that it's his word says, do, you know, do not be angry, but it says, don't let the uh, sun go down your wrath. It also tells us to be eager to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of man. So these things are like, they're like the scalpels that are going into my life. And I say, Lord, but I, I hear it and I need your power to change these things. And the power of his word would come in there. And then he begins to allow change to happen. The problem is a lot of times we hang on to things like this, don't we? We really want to be changed, but not really. Give him the winky. I mean, really, we want to be changed, but we don't want to go through the process. Look, if we have problems this morning, I, I, I'll tell you how we, I, we work it out. We have problems. Let's say we're slipping back into an old lifestyle. We shouldn't be there. We're viewing things we shouldn't be. Some our, our marriage isn't as happy as our shirt tells us we are. If, if those are the things, what are we going to do about that? And I want by faith to trust God and God to give me the power to be the man or the woman that I need to be to honor him. I want him to do the work that he wants to do. I mean, that's what he's saying. This is okay. It's like one-stop shopping. But there's no other ingredient that, that you and I, the church, needs to bring to our lives 
that whatever he's calling us to do for his good pleasure, other than by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. So he wants to do. To, to by his power. Again, what is it that we need? I'm just kind of, what is it that you need? You fill in the blank. What is it that you want God to do? It's kind of the thing for our Christmas Eve service. What is it that you want God to do in your life? Oh, I'd like this. Or I'd like that. I'd really like this. And, you know, you're not going to find it in a self-help book. You're not going to find it at, at Amazon.com. You're not going to find it at Target or wherever else you shop at. What are you wanting God to accomplish in you? What are you wanting him? You need rest for your life? You need peace in your life or joy. You need to be forgiven. You want to have others forgive you. What is it? Are you still, still addicted to things, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or other bad habits, you know, that, that we've brought into this relationship with him and, and he wants us to be one and done? Is our attitude still ugly? Is our heart just hard? Is our mouth just filthy? Look, at these are the things that God says, I want to change too. I know you don't like going around with them. I remember years ago when we first moved up to the Northwest, we were at a pizza place. It was a Saturday night. And uh, there was a family in the arcade room. They were celebrating a birthday party. And uh, the gal had just this pitch of voice that I think that uh, it got cats to get their claws out and go right down a chalkboard. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, wow, I'll never forget this as long as I live. And we were going in there, and the kids, our kids were real small, and they're running around, we're having pizza. And then the next morning at church, uh, we have been new to this church, and I heard the same voice. <laughs> and I thought, ah! And it's a joke now to us because it's just her voice, but she was kind of telling her kids what to do in a very firm voice, you know, firm way. And uh, so she said, how did I act? Oh, no, you were there. And <laughs> Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> but really, what are the things that we want to see God change in our lives? He's not done with us. He wants us. I mean, we walk around here sometimes downtrodden, like yours, when we should be the happiest people on earth. We should be filled with joy. We should be filled with his power. We should be filled. These are things that he offers to us. Perfect? No, 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 no. Are we going to go through things? Oh, Yes. But the whole time he offers to walk us through these things, the whole time that he wants us to give us the power to overcome these things. And I'll tell you, we need to have faith in him and leave it to his power, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to just change us. Lord, have your way. Change us. You know, like our, our kids who used to take that bar of soap to them. Is this being recorded? <laughs> Well, they're, they're still alive. Well, you take that bar of soap to their mouth, you know. I mean, you look at potty mouth needs to be cleaned out. But, but that's what the Lord wants to do with us. But he has so, so much more gentle than I ever was. I, I was a good parent. But he's so much better than I ever was. And he wants us to come to him. And he says, I'll replace all that stuff in your lives. You know what? And remember Paul in his first letter is writing the same thing. And much of the troubles that they're going through, he's saying, oh, you might be going through it, but look, don't let God stop working in your lives. He said, quench not the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, don't allow that to happen. Allow his spirit. He wants to move in you. He wants to change you. He wants to clean up your mouth. He wants to clean up your attitude. He wants to clean, you know, these things he does. I, I'm a witness of it. But, you, you know, we've got to go through the work sometimes, the work of just getting on our knees and being vulnerable. God, take this from me. I don't want it anymore. 
And so, you know, we come to this point of being born again. There's still that great need to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to sanctify us on a daily basis. That sanctification is that act of cleaning us up. I mean, again, we've been sealed, no doubt. We're stamped, heaven bound, right? And the Lord begins this work in our lives, making the changes that heaven sees necessary to, 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 you know, change in our lives. He's sending down a message to the Holy Spirit saying, <clears throat> how's that working out for you? My, my words, of course. How's that working out for you? I, I can help you change that. I want to change that because I agree with you. Your attitude stinks or whatever the case may be, you know, fill in the blank. And I want to change that in your life. And I'm sure that we all notice in our lives that there's still work to be done. Amen? There's still this work that needs to take place. And this work is accomplished not by you and I doing better. It's not by you and I. We do better, we're going to fail. We make the calendar out. Okay, if I take out the trash every day, guess what? I'm sorry, honey, I did forget this morning. But we'll, we for, you know, we forget these things, right? We're going to break the calendar. I mean, it's just... Break the, we're going to stress out. But listen, we just understand that there's work that needs to be done and it's accomplished by his power. He gives us the power. I'll tell you what, we're, we're, we're starting up our drug and alcohol class again. Uh, uh, Rick is going to run it on Friday, Friday nights, I believe, uh, in January. And if you have a drug and alcohol problem, it's, it's a dependency problem. You're dependent upon anything other than Christ and you want to be free of it. This morning, come up and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I got a bigger reaction when they said there was a sale on aisle four at Walmart the other day. <laughs> you know, the cheap sweaters. You want a cheap sweater on aisle four? Come get it, man. Everybody in, the church, everybody in the store was going over there. But that's what Christ offers. He says, look, it, if you can't do it, I can do it for you. I can do it through you by my power. And this is what he wants us to do. And I'm sure that, again, any of us have the, the bad habits that we brought into our life. Paul says here, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Allow him to work through you. Allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives. And again, quenching is that word extinguish. We don't want to do those things. We don't want to extinguish the work that he's doing. And we go through troubled times. Kind of, kind of one of the things here, because that's the theme of what Paul is talking about, is we go into defense mode and, and we begin to fight this battle instead of working on this in here. And we're trying to manipulate, change, and do all this stuff in our lives to make this, you know, better, happier, whatever the case may be. And, and we forget about this. So this is what God's doing. The, my wife called me the other day. She says, by the way, have you received the title for the... Uh, car that we just purchased. You received the title. I said, no, I haven't. I said, well, let me fire it off an email to the salesman. He's a believer. We've been, uh, um, you know, emailing back and forth. It's been a really good relationship. And so the guy gets on, he, he, I emails, man, I haven't got the title back for that car. I said, well, you know, what do you think about this? So he, he emails me back, oh, I'll go looking for it. And my wife, I'm not kidding. It was just about like this. She calls me and says, oh, by the way, it just came in the mail today. So I write him back and I go, hey, sorry, sorry, bro. I said, uh, I just came in the mail today. He goes, yeah, sometimes I do that. I don't trust God or ask God before I do things. <laughs> Isn't that true though? Right? Because we're in defense mode. We're wanting to fight things. We're wanting to fix things. I'm a fixer. I just, let me fix it. I forget about, sorry, Lord. But listen, he's got a greater plan. Does he not? I can be happy, content, freed in him. Not by the power. We struggle sometimes going through the things that we're going through. We go into, into troubles. And again, the, the church of Thessalonica was troubled, persecuted. Troubles were coming upon them. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they, Paul is encouraging them, let God do it. Let him do it. 
And then listen, as we wrap this up, listen what he says. He says here in, in uh, chapter, or verse, excuse me, verse 12, he says, all of this takes place, listen, that the walk, that our walk may be worthy of his calling. The second thing, that he would fulfill all of the goodness of his pleasure. The third thing, by faith and his power, listen, why? To the glory of God. That's what he said in verse 12. That the name of Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the the Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose of why he wants to do these things or why we want to give him free reign. Born again Christian, signed your life away. Our lives are no longer our own. They've been bought with a price. And we come to this place that he's doing this work. Okay, if I, if I have free reign, let me have this or let me have that. I'm going to work on this. Don't, don't let it go. You know? But he says, you know what? This, this, the ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God in our lives, the way we live our lives, the things that we're allowing him to take place. So the neighbor goes, hey, you guys aren't arguing anymore. What happened? Oh, God, we just turn it all over to the Lord and he's just working in our lives. The co-worker says, hey, how's your marriage going? Praise God, man. It's, uh, turn it over to God. He's doing the work in us. Hey, how's your, your child? You were so stressed out. Well, well, you know what? We're just trusting in the Lord. And we're praying that they'll overcome this, whatever they're going through, you know? You see, for the glory of God. That's what he wants to do in us. We're the vessels that he's in and we're crack pots. So the light shines through those crack pots onto the world. And they say, oh, they don't have it all together, but I see Christ in them. I see Christ in them. Listen, Paul's prayer is that they would and we would live out our lives to the glory of God in in two ways. One immediately, currently, verse 12 again, he says, may that uh, that, uh, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That's presently. And then again in that day when we go to meet with him in the future. So presently in the future, in verse 10, if you look back at it, it says, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. So there's a time to where, you know, we, we need, need to bring him glory now because when we go to be with him, he's going to be glorified. Look at my treasures. Look at that. And wouldn't it be neat when we get to heaven that we just got this arsenal of crowns that we're just laying before the Lord and say, we've done this all for you. All that we've done is because you, Lord, saw it fit to save me in my life. And everything that I do, I've tried to do my best to allow you to do the work in me so that you can work through me. And Paul is asking this very thing. He's asking that God would, that he would fully glorify, that the church would fully be glorified through these saints that are going through a difficult time. And so the same thing is for you and I today. May God be glorified. I mean, what do you desire to see him do? Let him have it. Let, let, let Just turn it up to him and say, God, be glorified in my life. You know, what we need is going to be done in his powers by trusting in him in faith, but in his power so that he can be glorified in all, all the, the time that we come to him. We come to him and open our lives. Again, our lives have been bought with a price. They're no longer our, our own. And it's possible by the grace of God that he wants to change us, that he will change us. It's possible because of the power that he has for us. You know what? I want to live my life so that Christ is glorified. I'm sure we all do, right? We want to live our lives that others might see Christ in me, in us. And if and when we accomplish anything for him, that again, that it may be for his glory. And for any of us who desire to live our lives bringing him glory, we 
have to live our lives basking in his grace and in his power. We can't get hung up. Lord, I failed. He knows we failed. Okay, get back up. Let's do it again. Forgive me, Lord. Yeah, let's do it again. It means to turn. Repentance is a turn from. I used to tell guys, you know, you, you want to walk with the Lord, but you got the keys of your life. Drop them off. Whatever it is, drop it off. Drop, just drop the keys. Turn around and go. Walk this way. Walk with him. Trust him. You see, it happens by his power. It happens by his favor. It happens by the grace of God in our lives. And we need to simply allow him to change us and change the things that he desires to, to see change uh, that, you know, he wants us to change. And we're not to bunk, buck the system or quench the spirit. We're to have, let him have free reign. Your life, your life and my life is never happier when we give free reign to Jesus. Right? And did you notice this, that when, you know, our relationship with Christ is much like a marriage. When, when Elaine and I first got married, when we were just Twitter-pated, we were in love with one, we saw her in love with one another, but we were just like, ooh, this is all great and great, and about three months later, it's like, hey, 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 <laughs> who are you? <laughs> That's what she would say to me. <laughs> She'd say, you know, uh, hey, you know, I, I found where you were, and I said, what do you mean? I said, I followed your socks, you're all over the, the line, you know, I cleaned this place up, and I'm not your mother, I'm your wife. <laughs> I said, okay, I better not ask for dinner then, huh? But those things, you know, the, the relationship is much like that. We want to change because of, of the love that I have for her, right? And vice versa. There's some things I don't want to get into that she does. It? <laughs> but, but no, it's just love relationship. And we want to change because we love one another, right? And the same thing is with the Lord. God, you've given. Look how much he's given to us. I want to honor you, Lord. I want to honor you with everything. I want to allow you to take my life the way you want to take it. I want to allow you to do the things that you want to do through me, in me, and through me. And listen, we can have the fullest of this world, or we can have a life that is fullest of Christ, the life that is fullest of him. Let me close this up. I want to uh, read you a poem as the worship team comes up here, and I'll kind of bring it back to this. C.T. Studd, he's a... um, He served as a British missionary to China. And he penned a famous poem that uh, helps us to consider the only worthy way to live our lives, and that is for Christ. Listen, maybe it might help us to be ever mindful of only what is done for Christ will last. He says, two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes and one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, Uh, The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with his burdens, hope and fears. Each with its clay I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life till soon 
soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy and sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whatever thy strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, and one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I now, or I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You see, Christ is working and desiring to work in us. He doesn't take things in a, from us and want us to change because he doesn't like us. He knows what's best for us. And I think of a no better time, or any time is better, but you celebrate Christmas and you come and you hear a message that Paul's praying for these guys. How many of us really need prayer for, God, would you take this? Would you by your power take this from my life? Would you by your power, i got to trust you, Lord. And he wants to meet us every step of the way. And he wants to bring to us that fresh life. And, and that we might honor him in all that we do. And if you're here this morning, I encourage you, you don't have that fresh walk. Maybe you're not trusting in the Lord. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. And you know that if you were to die today, that you don't know where you would go. You can have, you can have uh, assurance upon that this morning. You come and see one of our elders. They'll be up here. And they'll pray with you. They'll be in the corner of the room here. They'd love to meet with you. But if you need to be refreshed, don't leave here. Please don't leave here without asking God to refresh you and to give you the power that you need to change your life for his glory. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word. And our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.